Welcome to the Vet Podcast by the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Get ready for the latest veterinary news, information and entertainment. Don't forget to visit us at the Vet Gurus website, vetgurus.com. Now, sit back, relax, it's over to the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Sit back, relax, Brendan's here with Mark as ever. As always, episode 316. Thursday, October the 12th, 2023. Mark, how are you? I'm outstanding, Brendan. Just really, really good. Um, I didn't have to mow the lawn today. Yes, Um, you didn't. And as we were speaking off air, I mowed the lawn. Um, It tends to start to get out of control this time of the year, being spring here in a southern hemisphere. And... uh, yeah, we had a couple of night, couple of crappy days. Really, lots of rain and some sun before that. A few days, and today it's um, a little bit chilly, but um, the sun's out. So I thought I need to get out there and mow that lawn before it, get, it gets to a certain size mark. <coughs> where, excuse me, where if it gets any higher, then it seems to take twice as long to mow it, Mark. Um, so, and, and and I think it gets to a certain height as well. And it takes twice as, you know, much, much longer to mow it. But it just doesn't look good after you have, and it takes a lot longer before it looks good. Yes. And sometimes when it does get that extra height and you do mow it, um, a a few days later, as you say, um, it not only does not look good, you have bits that seem really high straight away because it didn't chop them back properly. And I know we spoke about this very – Thinking about it as I was mowing the front lawn, Mark, so the back and the front lawn, mowed the back lawn, and I did ask you at one stage, do you mow the lawn clockwise or anti-clockwise? And your answer was clockwise, and there I was mowing the back lawn, and I always tend to mow the back lawn clockwise, but for some reason, I mow the front lawn anti-clockwise, Mark. Wow. So I don't know what that means. Um, I don't know either. And I'd like to, and then I started thinking maybe I should do a little um, a little study and see if the grass grows differently, back <laughs> grows back quicker or not. Um, I'm mowing them anti-clockwise or clockwise. So yeah. I, so I there we go. The other thing that's interesting about lawns is since you've had that discussion with me, I I have a whole subgenre of TikTok. I must be lawn talk. Um, where where people, you know, take footage of them dethatching their lawn, fertilising their lawn, reseeding their lawn, levelling their lawn, mowing it in multiple directions to get the checkerboard effect. Um, They've got way too much time on their hands, those people, Mark. Um, I, I wish I had that much time. Uh, I just get out there and I mow it, and if it's if I try and do it too quick, you know, get a bit of a sweat up, which is probably good, and... Uh, try to not make sure I've taken a hay fever tablet this time of year and uh, get back inside, Mark, um, and have a have a drink um, and look out. Let me have a, let me twist my head here. Yes, it's looking pretty good. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. That's uh, it's a bit sad if uh, my life revolves around um, the pleasures of mowing the lawn, although there's something a bit zen about doing the mowing the lawn, and I think... Um, our main researcher would probably say the same thing, Mark, um, Doug, although 
he cheats. He jumps on a ride on mower. Um, although I think he's got like he's got three, some more generous lawn to mow. Three million acres or something. He has to he has to mow. But um, yeah, so yes, there we go. Mowing the lawn, Mark. That's what I've been up to. Um, not much other news. Uh, plugging away at work as usual. I'm getting getting a little bit excited, Mark. I'm getting a little bit excited about what, the what UPAV you... conference. Yes. The Unusual Pet and Avian Veterinarians Conference in November, late November here in Australia, in Sydney. And uh, we'll catch up, won't we, Mark? Um, I've booked an Airbnb, two-bedroom apartment, look out Sydney. Um, Brendan and Mark are on the way. So we should have... Um, well, I think we'll record something, won't we, while we're there um, together face-to-face. Um probably our musings on the actual conference i expect um after the first day or two so but i'm very much looking forward to that i haven't said that i must register for the conference (laughs) um i I can tell you that i I checked early bird uh still has a couple of weeks to run so we're we're okay get in this week i think it's the uh, something like the 18th of october or so yeah 24th Yes, there we go. So get in, Mark, and, yeah, yeah, we need to both register ASAP. So that will be fun, catching up with colleagues and listening to some amazing research and some case reports and uh, our keynote speaker, Dr. Todd Driggers um, from USA, is heading over, and both you and I know Todd um, and have met him and before, and it will be good to catch up with Todd. It'll be good. It'll be big. It, it will, will be, be fun. fun. It will be fun. Uh, and I think with that, Mark, we'll jump into it. With, with This one might be a pretty punchy episode here. Um, we've got one one news item, and I think you wanted to mainly chat about it, Mark. It's a quite an interesting one. We were talking about it off, off air before we started. Virtual fences can benefit both ranchers and wildlife. And it's talking about virtual fencing, Mark, using GPS-linked collars to train animals to stay within set boundaries, similar to those dog fences, Mark, those notorious dog fences that the behaviourist vets do not like um, because they tend to get a pretty fierce zap to dogs and they don't think they're very, very useful. But you do want to talk about these GPS-linked collars for livestock, Mark? Definitely do, Brendan. Um, And you are right. Uh, Our behaviourist friends and even uh, uh, ourselves as general accession veterinarians, we're not big fans of aversive training um, that particularly with um, companion animals, um, there are some some pretty potentially negative consequences of aversive training, the zapping of the dog from a collar when it does something wrong. Um, and it doesn't always work very well. But in this circumstance, uh, the, 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 there's a little beep. The collar gives a little audible beep. Um, and then it does zap the cow, but with a, a, um, an electric... Uh, current with a voltage that's less than what they would get from a, a um, uh, you know, a, a standard electric fence. Um, and so those sorts of electric fences are used in many animal control situations in zoos and, and uh, in many farming situations. And so uh, the actual charge that goes to the animal is less than that those electric fences so probably a a positive in the welfare outcome stakes and it also 
does something else, doesn't it, before it hits the charge? Oh, yeah, that does that little audible beep. And the interesting thing about that is that once the cow has been um, beeped and then gets a little zap, um, the vast majority of cows never get zapped again because they um, they move away from the area in which they, uh, that they set off the collar. They associate the beep with the zap and they figure that if I keep going in this direction, they learn pretty quickly what's going to happen and they stop doing it. Um, it's surprisingly effective. In fact, one of the ranchers who had this set up in his, uh, in his, I'm just looking at the, um, the location in, um, in, uh, the wildlands of Washington state to the Canadian Rockies. Um, they, the, one of the ranchers there, um, found that, um, he was worried when he first set the system up, he was leasing the land and he set the system up after fires had gone through the area and ruined all the fencing and, and fencing was very expensive to set up. But he had a couple of uh, ranch hands who were handy with horses and he thought, well, um, and because the GPS allows him to tell where every cow is, yes. if they do go outside the fence, they can easily track them down and, and herd them back into the fenced area. But surprisingly enough, they didn't have to do that. The cows did, in fact, with nearly 100% uh, diligence, stayed within the virtual fence. Um, and so um, uh, that was an outstanding result. And and it's great for the... the uh, the ranchers, because obviously they don't have to maintain the fences. They can just um, look at a map on their phone and change the position of the fences to, you know, to allow for grazing of maybe an invasive weed uh, before it seeds so that, um, you know, they can shift a particular area around. They want the cows to uh, go in and they can... Um, and they can decrease their access to other areas. Um, and while there is, they have to have a tower, they have to build a, a, uh, a tower which costs about twelve or $13,000 per ranch, and um, then they lease each of the collars for about 50 bucks but, for, per annum. But um, the rancher was suggesting that compared to their, because they're allowed they can manage the feed intake of the cattle more precisely. They get better production and uh, decreased costs of maintaining fences. And they actually expect to um, make more than twice their money on the investment of these virtual fences, which is quite an outstanding result. Yes, the cost for Fences, Mark, I think um, earlier up in the article, $20,000 a mile or about $12,400 per kilometre um, to to build them and then and they obviously degrade over time as well. So, yeah, quite, quite an interesting study. You know, I'm waiting to, to, to see a, some cow hacker, Mark. Um, decides, <laughs> a smart cow decides to hack in and, um, and, to, and they all go rogue um, and reprogram it or... More realistically, a wildlife warrior, Mark. What happens if some wildlife tech geek um, decides to um, reprogram them and um, take, or even worse, you know, to to um, to um, take these cows and, and 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 head them off to where they can, where they can. Oh, um, you're talking about cyber rustling. Yes, 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 yes. Oh my goodness, uh, I didn't even think of that. 
So what do you think about that? Um, yeah, and I've 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 got the app. Uh, I've got the hacking tools ready, Mark, uh, ready to go. So, I, I, I didn't yeah. even think of that, but I can imagine there being a um a, yes. someone designing a little fence, a little uh, corridor on which the cattle are shunted away to um, yeah, some right. alternate. And, um, and in theory, or you would, it depends what the security system is on those um, on the um, on the Wi-Fi. I presume that they're using or, or whatever they're using. Um, um, the GPS on them, um, but you'd want to oh. be pretty rugged because you just need to sort of access the signal. And, uh, well, we won't go into the details. <laughs> <laughs> the corollary, the corollary, yes. the other part of this story, though, Brendan, is that um, that fences are an horrific additional burden to many of the wild animals that um, would travel over these these uh, lands. And certainly I know here in Australia, um, we've, we've had uh, some endangered species uh, come a cropper on the, the, um, on the, the barbed wire fences. And, and uh, this article does suggest um, that it's the same in America, that particularly some of the, the, uh, the larger animals that might migrate, um, they, they, they might get through fences or even around them, but uh, the yes. metabolic cost can be enough to result in them not breeding or uh, having other problems. So the outcome for many of the, the wild animals is uh, a significant benefit um, if these fences become widespread and, and the land becomes more navigable for many of these wild species. Yes. No, apart from the... Silly jokes, Mark. I think it's a, a very, um, very interesting system, Mark. So yes, and not only saving the um, saving those farmers money, but also um, being very flexible. Um, and I think the main um, article was chatting about uh, how the farmer gets up in the morning and he just checks on his phone and he has a look where his cows are and he send them off somewhere else to graze so um, and he knows exactly as you said where each and every cow is and i th i think it would be excellent for also picking up you know for if you've got a down a cow you've got a cow that's out mark um it's fallen in a ditch or something or down a little ravine or whatever you'd you'd know because it's um not moving much um and perhaps as i don't know whether it, that they, I don't think they mentioned it in the article whether they've had, you know, any tracking sort of software in it where you could, you know, send you a little alert if the animal hasn't moved for a set period of time. I, I, there, there's, there is uh, AI programs currently under development who are using particular patterns of movement of GPS track cows to identify um, sick animals before they reach the down a cow stage so such animals will not you know move uh, as far to graze and and yes. uh, ai is now now being developed to identify those animals so intervention can happen before they get really sick brendan it's all yes. it's all happening amazing. And, I, and i think they do the same with horses don't they um birthing suites for horses um where you used to have have the students sitting up in the middle of the night to see if they're about to you know, run into trouble or about to have their their foals. Um, they have little little um, electronic devices on the horses, don't they? Um, and it tells them that the horse has gone down or it's just about to give birth. Um, so they don't have to be in the barn 
No, we live that. in amazing times. Yes, we do. And speaking of amazing times, Mark, we're going to jump into our main news story, uh, our main topic, sorry, which is a news story. It's an article that was out fairly recently that you um, alerted me to, which was published on July the 19th, 2023, in PLOS One Journal, Open Access. So we'll have a link to that at vetgurus.com, the actual article. You can read and download the full article yourself. Ear health and quality of life in pet rabbits of differing ear confirmations. A UK study of owner-reported signalment, risk factors and effects on rabbit welfare and behaviour. A long title there, Mark, but basically they surveyed, and we're going to dig deep into this one, I think. Um, I surveyed UK pet rabbit owners and the relationship between ear condition and ear confirmation and quality of life. So do you want to jump into it, Mark? Certainly, Brendan. Um, I reckon this is a, a, a great piece of research, but it carries with it um, a couple of caveats doesn't it and the main one is that it is a um that it is a survey it's the yes. perception of the owners uh, the owners have been asked specific questions about uh the the um the diagnosis of ear disease and the quality of life of their rabbits um and their response has been used to uh statistic to develop statistical analyses and talk about uh, confirmation, quality of life, and uh, and ear disease in rabbits. The interesting thing for me, one of the many interesting things for me about this article is that in most instances, owner uh, owner response questionnaires generally, in to my understanding, generally underestimate. They overestimate. Um, uh, I suppose the good side, um, they they will underestimate um, suffering, but that didn't seem to be the case here. The the there was certainly a a, a, a wealth of consciousness amongst the owners that um, that ear disease was causing um, compromised quality of life for their their wonderful pet rabbits. So that was a thing that stood out. Um, I was also interested that they used an index. One of the indices for measuring quality of life was the uh, frequency of binking. Um, yes. That, that uh, rabbits that bink more are likely to be enjoying life more. Um, and that's uh, an interesting correlation. Um, yes. And you're exactly correct with the we have to be a bit careful because it is just a straight survey or questionnaire and it was an online questionnaire mark um which i think they plugged into survey monkey and they had ethics approval the um survey there and the structure and content was about 10 minutes mark and most of the questions were optional there were 32 questions which were multiple choice and it was structured into sections including introduction which explained it about you, demographic questions about your rabbit, your rabbit's quality of life, very good to very bad, um, and a range in between, your rabbit's hearing, which, again, it's a bit of a tricky one, isn't it, Mark? An online survey and saying, what, how good is your rabbit's hearing? And we struggle to, to, um, to um, not only... Uh, to, 
to diagnose, you know, whether a rabbit can hear or not um, in, in, in the clinic, let alone in an online survey, and your rabbit's health. And it was questions in that section were included, the frequency of ear cleaning by a vet, questions about whether they see any problems in their ears of their rabbits, um, and the age where they were diagnosed if they did have any problems there, Mark. And then they... They ran a bit of statistical analysis on things. Um, so the results were quite interesting. They had um, 693 responses, which is a, a decent amount there, Mark. Um, and they lumped the rabbits into um, um, lop-eared um, versus um, non-lopped. Um, and I think somewhere along the line, I'm trying to find it, they talked about half-lopped or partial uh, yeah, half lop, uh, one erect ear and one lop ear mark, or had approximately horizontal ears, which they called or lop, O A R lop, or horn lop. Um, and the median rabbit age was four. Um, and uh, yeah, so let's um, do you want to chat about some of the um, some of the results that they found or, or their um, summary. Um. Well, the the one that stood out to me was that um, that they the 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 lot the, the the main conclusion was that um, well over a quarter of the rabbits had um, had some degree of ear disease, and um, the uh, the lop-eared phenotype um, was uh, clearly a, a significant risk factor that the subgroups of lop or partially lopped rabbits um, uh, had a, a higher incidence of ear disease than the the overall population. Yep. I th and it, it's, like I said, it was around about a and, and in fact, approximately 25% of the lop-eared um, type rabbits had ear conditions um, indicated by a vet, according to the, the owner survey, versus 10% um, of erect ear rabbits having ear conditions as reported by the vet to the owner mark um, so and this is not not nothing new as far as um, what you and I um, bang on about mark um, and and our ongoing our ongoing campaign to um, try and stop the confirmational issues and the breeding issues with um, with um, rabbits mark um, so um, I think it's just sort of confirmation um so to speak um, of um of what we um what we have um with concerns about these mark um and ear problems in rabbits in their conclusion mark um um had reductions in quality of life life reduced responsiveness to sound and the reduced binking behavior as you were chatting about mark um and they, i think there were there were there were a couple of those conclusions I thought were useful clinically to me. The first one was I think that I think we should routinely ask about talk about binking and ask maybe even for our clients to record a frequency of you know um, uh, uh, how often once a week they just say how many times this evening did uh, did Flopsy bink um, because having that ba background information. Um, can give give us useful information about whether there's been changes. So, asking people to record that every once in a while, much like we would record, um, you know, a, a heart rate or something else that um, that the owners' blood glucose that the owners might do at home, so that they can pick up subtle changes. Yep. Yep. The other one 
and I'm interested in your opinion on this, was that rabbits in the wild do a, um, a prayer reflex uh, where they flick their ears in the direction of a sound, uh, lift their ears up and turn them towards sound to you know, develop a more acute assessment of where, whether it's dangerous and where it's coming from. Um, and this was a reflex that was markedly reduced in the rabbits that had um, uh, ear disease. Obviously, it's going to be much harder for lop-eared rabbits to perform the manoeuvre, um, but I think it's also a thing that I would be routinely asking um, uh, clients to, when they uh, have a dog next door that barks, is the rabbit demonstrating a prayer reflex um, or is it, um, is it not responsive to those sorts of acute noises in the immediate vicinity? They're questions I'll be adding to my history of... Uh, of rabbits with ear disease, Brendan. Good points, Mark. And the other conclusion they they have is a um, couple of good sentences there, Mark. Um, breeders wanting to select for good ear health should avoid breeding from rabbits with early signs of ear disease or with a family history of it. And ear disease can be difficult to recognise in a rabbit, so it may be underdiagnosed and undertreated. And that's certainly something that we really stress with the clinical examination of rabbits that we're always looking down those ears, Mark, to, to detect those undiagnosed ear, ear conditions in, in the rabbits that we see in the clinic. And I think um, us spending the time to identify and alert people about uh, what might be on the surface subclinical ear disease, with those sorts of questions about altered behaviour, um, what might have once been thought as subclinical change um, all of a sudden may become clinical that once the clients realise that um, those features of ear disease are changing the rabbit's behaviour and, and affecting their quality of life. Yes, I agree. I think with that, Mark, um, we're binking out of here um, and we will talk to you all next week. Send us an email, vetgurus at gmail.com. to the vet podcast by the vet gurus don't forget to visit us at the website vetgurus.com where you can subscribe view show notes listen to previous episodes and more you can contact us via email at vetgurus at gmail.com to ask a question or just say hi thanks again and see you next time